Thank you for tuning in to the New Vision Podcast. Our prayer is that this talk builds your faith, brings clarity, and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. Oh, man, yesterday was incredible. Yesterday was incredible. Just, just so that you know, we did give out um, over 300 hot dogs, which tells us easily that we had over 300 people here on our property, us included. Um, I had some people tell me that it was tons more, but I, I like to be conservative. I don't want to inflate the numbers, but we had a goal before we started out um, planning this, this event that I wanted to see at least 200 people here. We thought maybe three, and so God did way beyond what we could plan, and so I'm excited to see what happens next because if we were planning for some and he gave us almost double of what we were thinking, man, I can't wait to see what we get to do with God next. And so um, I'm excited about that and hopefully that will continue to keep you excited as we do um, the next things that God has asked us to do. But uh, today I I just want to take a few moments and, and share with you um, I've been um, up and down since, since last night. I was really tired, really excited. And this morning, just lots of odds and ends happening. And we're going to keep pushing. And that's actually what we're going to talk about today. But um, our, our kids have been in, in sports for as long as I could get them in sports. So when Alexa decided she wanted to play basketball, we started allowing her to play basketball in like second grade, I think was the first time, maybe first or second grade when we started her playing basketball. And then Jordan, Jordan wanted to play immediately. Like as soon as he could, he wanted to play. So we found a league that would allow him to play when he was three years old. So there was a three and four year old league that my son played in. It was really cool. They had six and a half foot basketball goals and they played with with mini balls. And I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like this. Um, it's like if you've seen soccer, it's very similar to kids' soccer. Like there is a herd of kids traveling back and forth up and down the court. Whoever has the ball, they're the most popular kid. Like the whole defense wants the ball and everybody on their team wants the ball. And so I remember there would be times where I would have to tell Jordan like, hey, if your teammate is bringing up the ball, don't stand in front of him like, and yell for the ball. Let them bring the ball up. But I want the ball, Dad. It, it's okay. Like, you can still run around. Like, you can ask them to pass the ball. So then all, the, all that JJ would do if he didn't have the ball is he would be running, ball, 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 ball. And then he would get closer because maybe they couldn't hear him. And so it would start all over again. And um, it, it was such a fun thing to see. And as, as they would play, every now and then, um, you know, for the most part, you'd have like these big masses going back and forth. But every now and then there would be a kid on the team that actually knew how to play defense. That actually knew that if I stood in front of you and I didn't back down, that you couldn't get to where you would go. And, and when we go to games, um, our family isn't very quiet. And we're, we're very um, excited Excited is a, is a good word we can use. We, we are very excited about the participation level that our kids have when they play. So oftentimes, as Jordan would get to take the ball up the court, um, I would help his coach, just help him, you know, help them be directed to where Jordan needed to go. And oftentimes it was one simple word. I just yell, score. Like, Jordan, go score. Dribble the ball and score, and he would go. And the coach sometimes would do that. Often there was one coach that every now and then she would glare at me because she was saying 
pass to your teammates and dad is yelling, go score. <laughs> and so there was a little bit of conflict there, but it, it was wild to see the moments where there was someone on the other team that would play defense, how much that changed the game. And so for Jordan, Jordan could dribble the ball fairly well for a three-year-old and a four-year-old. And, and so he'd be going and he would score if you did not stop him. And every now and then there'd be that kid that would get in front of him and wouldn't move and wouldn't back down, but would just move with him. And I would watch something happen over and over again where my son knew where he was supposed to go. He had the instructions of, of what, the game, what the game was all about, how he got to score. But suddenly, instead of moving to the goal, he began to move further away from the goal. Because the opposition wouldn't let him get close enough. The defender wouldn't move out of the way. It was no longer easy. And I could see my son's frustration level rise as he dribbled closer. and goes, I don't know what it is about the corner of basketball courts. Like the kids go over into the corner and trap themselves. And my son would do that. And his coach would be telling him the whole time, hey, remember, you're not by yourself. Pass to your teammates. And I wonder if, if sometimes this is how God experiences me. I wonder that if, if I'm beginning to move in new areas and, and step out in faith and do things that I've never done before, or if I've simply made a decision to follow him, to get rid of all the distractions, all of the things that have hindered me and, and held me back from, from really running, or if maybe I've just decided that I'm going to do what I can to reach someone somewhere, that there are moments where that's super easy. The first few steps often are the most exciting. They're the most fast. There's, there's nothing in front of you. You're thinking, oh, God, I know you called me to this because it's the easiest thing I've ever done. It's the greatest thing I've ever done. And we go as hard as we can, as fast as we can. There's no defense. And all I'm doing is I'm going in for open layups over and over again. I'm thinking, God, thank you for calling me to doing this. But when the defense shows up, that's when I panic. When the defenders get in front of me, when, when God has called me to do something, but it's no longer easy, it's not simple, it's not as fun as it was in the beginning, I begin to kind of panic and fear and doubt begin to set in. And I begin to, to think things like this, that maybe God didn't ask me to do this because this isn't how I planned it. This isn't happening the way that I thought it would. It's not as easy as it was three weeks ago, so maybe something is wrong. And I think we all kind of experience that. In moments of our lives, we say, God, send me. I'll, I'll go. Send me. I'm in. But there's an asterisk next to that statement that we make. You say, we tell God oftentimes, like, I'm, I'm down with the mission, but here's my conditions. And we may not say them out loud, but we say them in our heart. We say them in our prayers. We pray things away instead of praying things through. We tell God we'll go as long as it's not too hard. As long as there's not too much risk. I mean, God, I can't be changing jobs every now and then. I can't leave. Like, this job pays me pretty well. I got great benefits. You can't ask me to walk away from that and to risk something for the kingdom. I mean, God, I'll go, but as long as I don't have any health problems. As long as I'm, I'm good, I don't need to go to the doctor. As long as it's the stuff that's been around, like is, if I'm good, then okay. Or we'll tell God, you know what? I'll be willing to handle hardships, but you need to let me know when they're going to start, when they're going to end, what the route is that I can take to make those hardships. Just put it on my calendar along with the steps of how I can make it through that. I'll, I'll be good with that. God, I'll go as long as I always got favor. 
as long as everything always works out, as long as I feel like I'm successful, as long as there are people cheering me on, telling me I'm doing such a great job, as long as it always feels like winning, I'll go. But God, I'm, I'm not in. I'm not in for opposition. I'm not in for, for suffering. Let's not even bring that word up. If there's persecution involved, I'm, I'm out on that. If you're asking me to, to really give blood, sweat, and tears, I'll give a little bit of maybe one of those, but it's not the blood. I don't want the beatings. I don't want obstacles. Pretty much we tell God that we'll play the game as long as we have open layups, or if you're like Steph Curry, you want to open three every now and then. We'll do that, but when there's defense there, we're not interested in playing that game. You see, we want the opportunity to reach someone somewhere. We just don't want the opposition. We, we want the ability, but we don't want to have to fight through the defense to get through it. We want to be a part of the mission if it meets our conditions. The problem is when, when, we, when we buck against going through the opposition, we fail to, to we miss out on this one part. See, because opposition oftentimes makes us think we shouldn't go, but opposition comes when you're heading in the right direction. It's a sign that you should keep going and not give up. Why in the, think about it this way. Why in the world? Why in the world would the enemy fight you if you are moving in the direction that he would like you to go? If you're already traveling down a road that leads to nowhere, he's going to let you go down the road that leads to nowhere. But maybe, just maybe, he sees where you're headed, and he sees the decisions that you've made, and he said, Jerry, I'm not going to let you go that direction without a fight. I'm going to put up some opposition. I'm going to put up some obstacles in that. And you know what that means? That doesn't mean that you're headed in the wrong direction. It could be a sign that you're headed in the right direction. This is a sign to keep going. Opposition is a sign to keep going and not give up. This morning, my message is just titled, Keep Going. Keep going. Let's pray together. God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for the moments that we've spent in your presence today. And we pray that um, as we look into your word together, that you would do something incredible in that moment. That your word would sink deep into our hearts and into our lives and it would change us. I pray that you would challenge us. You would convict us. You would call us to be who you've created us to be. That when we leave this place today, God, we'll be different than we were when we came in. Because we spent time with you in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so far in our Somewhere or Someone Somewhere series, when we've looked at how the early church first started, we started at the very beginning and, and we saw that Jesus told them that they were going to be witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the other parts of the world. But in the first couple of weeks in our series, the first three weeks, actually, we saw great things. We saw how the church began to just multiply by thousands and thousands of people. The only thing that was happening that was a little off was we only read about them being in one place. So far, the church has experienced all this incredible growth, this incredible community, these incredible miracles, but they're only in Jerusalem. But that's not where Jesus told them to go. He said Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and other parts of the world, the uttermost parts that means that this comfortable, incredible calling that they were experiencing at home needed to expand. 
It needed to go places, and then something unexpected begins to happen. As we begin to look forward in, in the book of Acts, we see that opposition and persecution begin to show up. That as the gospel begins to attract thousands of people, other people begin to oppose it. And not just oppose it, they begin to persecute those who were preaching the gospel. The comfortable calling now became a dangerous one to, to pray for someone and use Jesus' name. To preach Jesus' name now was going to bring not just a threat, but a viable threat. Not just someone saying they were going to do something to you, but someone chasing you down to do something to you. And because of this, the apostles began to scatter. But as they scattered, the gospel spread. No one, no one signs up in the beginning and thinks, you know what, I think we can spread the gospel by persecution. Let's, let's sign up for that. You win, let's go to jail together. No one's down for that. Tomorrow we're going to get beat in public. Aaron, let's sign up for that. No one's down for that. But here's, here's the way that God worked. What people hoped would deter and snuff out the flame of the gospel, instead of putting out the fire, persecution began to fan the flames of the gospel. That what was only contained in Jerusalem at one point began to spread like a wildfire. That the one thing that people thought they could do to stop the gospel was the one thing that God used to spread the gospel. And so instead of giving up, the apostles decided, if I'm going to run, I'm going to run, and I'm going to spread the gospel while I'm running. They decided in that moment that instead of giving up and giving out and laying down, they were going to keep going. And that's what we need to do. We need to keep Going As we follow Christ, some of our paths will lead across the globe to places, to someone somewhere that we never thought we would go. And for others of us, that someone somewhere is right across the street, and it will take as much faith and as much guts and as much calling of God to walk across the street. But it will never happen if we stop when it gets hard. If we stop when there's opposition, when there's persecution, if we stop, then it will never happen. We have to keep going. This morning, I want to take us to a story that maybe some of us have heard before. It's quite a bit further in the, in the gospel, but I feel like this is right where we need to be. And it's right as Paul begins his second missionary journey. And if you have your Bible, you can turn it to Acts 16. I'm going to bring you up to speed before we read here. But in Acts 16, there's a second missionary journey and instead of Paul and Barnabas who led the first missionary journey, it's now Paul and Silas who are going out and they're going to check on the churches they started and they're also going to go and preach the gospel to people who have never heard it before. So we see this incredible thing happening where the gospel is continuing to spread. And what's even better in this moment is we see Paul, whose name used to be Saul, spreading the gospel. And what's incredible about this is Saul spent the early part of Acts being one of the main people fighting against the church. And then we see God change his heart and his life, and now he spends the rest of his life fighting for the gospel. At one point, he's trying to end it, and at the other end, he's giving everything he has to spread it. And Paul and Silas are, are going to Philippi, and they have just cast out a girl who's been demon-possessed. And this girl was used to tell fortunes she was a slave girl. And in doing that, they undid a stream of revenue for some people. 
And they were not pleased that Paul and Silas were there. Here's what it says in verse 22. It says, A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. And the city officials ordered them to be stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten. And then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Stop right there for a moment. You see, because what what had started out as a miracle was now looked at as robbery. Instead of redemption and restoration, these men felt like this miracle robbed them of things that were theirs. It robbed them of money. They didn't care about the life that was changed, the life that was saved, the mind that was restored, the life that was restored. They were thinking only about the financial loss that they were going to be taking. They didn't see it as freeing a life, but stealing their money. And so instead of being heralded, instead of the gospel being preached even more, they were handcuffed because of what they did. They were locked away because of what they did. They were beaten because of what they did. They were imprisoned because of what they had done. And they weren't just thrown into any average prison. You see, they told them to make sure they didn't escape. The jailer locked them in the inner dungeon. And this time, it would have been one of a couple of different options. The inner dungeon, the inner cell was kept only for the most vicious, the most dangerous criminals that you wanted to make sure didn't get up. The dungeon would have been completely dark. They wouldn't have been able to tell whether it was morning or night. More than likely, it would have been a pit dug in the ground with a cage on top of it. If it wasn't like that, it would have been something that you would imagine a dungeon in a castle looking like. It would have been damp and dark and cold, and it would have been inside this metal cage. Inside, all the other prisoners surrounding them, all the guards around them, the thought of escape would only have been a dream. Wouldn't have been anything close to reality because of what they did. And then the jailer didn't stop at putting them in the inner prison. He shackled their feet. And he didn't just use regular shackles. The Greek tells us that they put them in stocks. So you know what stocks are, the wooden pieces with holes. And they put their feet in them and they clamp that shut and lock them up. They put them in the inner dungeon and then paralyzed them and didn't allow them to move. There will be moments in your life and in mine when the mob turns on us, when the people that that were shouting good things to us suddenly turn against us. And we see that all the time in our culture now. You get enough people together, the loudest voice tends to control the crowd. And we see that happening here. And I promise you, at some point in your life, people will turn. People that told you good things yesterday, today won't say that again. They'll make up things about you. They'll do things to you to intentionally harm you, to to intentionally mess up your world and mess up your life. They will lie about you. They will work hard to halt your progress in life. And when this happens, in order to keep going, we need to remember this first thought, and that's to stay faithful. Stay faithful. Can I tell you this morning that you were sent for someone somewhere? Where you are right now, wherever you find yourself to be, there is purpose where your feet are. 
There is purpose in that job that you're dreading already going to tomorrow that you have been sent for someone somewhere. There is purpose. Stay faithful. Let, let, me, let, let me show you this. Paul and Silas weren't in Philippi on accident. They didn't just flip a coin and say, hey, at the next stop, should we get on or off, heads or tails? No, no, no. Let me show you what happened earlier in chapter 16. In verse 9, it says this, that at night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Do you know where Philippi was? Philippi is in Macedonia. Do you know why Paul and Silas were walking the streets that day when they cast the demon out? Because earlier they, were, they got a vision, they got a calling, they were sent for someone somewhere. There was purpose in them being there. It wasn't by accident. Can I tell you this morning that maybe, just maybe, you were sent there for a reason? That you're in your moment for a reason. You need to remind yourself you've been called to be where you are, but that doesn't mean that the calling will be easy to carry. You've been called to be right where you are, but that doesn't mean it won't be a heavy load to carry sometimes. I have a great friend that for a lot of years, he worked at, at the airport in security. And I remember talking to him after he'd been there a while, and he's like, man, I just, I just don't understand why I'm working here. I said, what do you mean? He said, they hate me here. Well, he said, they call me Mr. Integrity. I said, why do they call you that? He said, well, he said, there's a few of the guys, like, they just kind of, they cheat the clock for each other. And so you go do this, and I'll clock you in, and I'll clock you out, and we'll do this. And he said, I, I can't do that. He said, you know, they see me reading my Bible on, on breaks, and, and, you know, I try to ask them, you know, about stuff. He said, man, they don't have any time for that. He said, they make fun of me. They, they call me other names. And he said, and then he said, when I'm in the room, he said, they seem to go out of their way to make, you know, inappropriate jokes. They'll say things about passengers while we're sitting there at the scanner or we're checking bags. They'll say all kinds of stuff. He said, just because I'm sitting there. He said, don't understand. He said, they don't want me there. He said, I hear them all the time talk about the religious people and the Jesus freaks and all this, the holy rollers, the Bible thumpers. And all the time I'm in the room when they say it, they hate it. And we talk, and he says, man, I hate this job. I don't understand why I'm here. And then we begin to talk about Maybe that's exactly why God put you there. Maybe for those few people that you come in contact with in your department, wherever you're at, that maybe what you see at work doesn't really show you the storm that's going on on the inside of their life. That what's really happening, maybe God sent you there because at night they're lying in their bed crying, asking for something completely different. That when they wake up, they're asking out loud that they wish their life had purpose and it had meaning. And what is life really about? Maybe that's why God sent you there. Maybe God sees something that you don't. Maybe in this moment it's really hard for you, but God wants you there for them. Maybe there's purpose where you're at. There will be surprises on your journey. 
because it's a journey. It's not just a moment where you get to go from here to there. The calling will get heavy. There will be battles that you will have to walk through. You can't walk around. You'll have to go through. You'll actually have to pick up a weapon. If you would like to move forward, you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to determine that you're going to move in faith. You're going to have to stay faithful to keep going. Because I can promise you this, the path at times will be blocked, but that doesn't mean it's the wrong path. If the path is blocked, that doesn't mean it's the wrong path. The children of Israel had giants in the way. Goliath stood in front of David. Jesus faced the cross. And for a lot of people, all of those things look like defeat. But what they thought was defeat, God actually used not just freedom for one person, but freedom for tons of people. No, 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 no. Let me say this again. What looked like potential defeat for some people, God used to bring freedom to other people. So what's blocking your path right now that feels like it could end everything for you? Their ministry looked like it was done in Philippi. What else are you going to do locked up in a prison cell? It looked like even their life may be through. You may feel like that right now. You may feel that where you are feels like it's going to end. There's no hope for your family to come to Jesus. There's no hope for your coworker to come to Jesus. There's no hope in the ministry that you feel like God has birthed inside you. There's something that feels like it's almost on the verge of dying. Maybe that's just something blocking the path, but that doesn't mean that the path is the wrong path. Maybe if you keep going, maybe if you stay faithful, God can continue to move. Don't retreat. Resolve to keep going because things may change around you, but that doesn't mean that things need to change inside you. Life will always change. Circumstances will always change. But don't let that change what's inside you. Paul and Silas ended up in prison, but prison didn't get inside them. They were sitting in a cell, but it didn't change them. Your calling at times will take you to places that you didn't think that you would end up. The battle will be harder than you thought that it would be, but don't retreat. Don't give up. Don't give in. Keep going. Hold on to the thought that God has called you there. For Paul, maybe in that moment, he went back to that vision, and he saw that man standing there and said, I need someone to come and help. Can you do that? Don't give up. Keep going. There are people that are hanging in the balance of whether or not you keep going or not. There is a calling that God has for you. There is a purpose that God has for you, but you will never reach it if you give up. Keep going. You see, it may feel like a dead end, but maybe God has something else planned. Maybe God has something else planned entirely, because as we learned last week, Peter and John, they planned to pray, and the lame man, he planned to beg but God had something else planned all along. And so maybe in this moment when you're sitting in this prison cell, when you feel like this is what you're doing, maybe, just maybe, God has something else planned. Maybe, just maybe, if you keep going, you'll experience it. Check out what happens next. Verse 25 says, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open. The chains of every prisoner fell off. Can I tell you, they could have done a lot of things in that prison cell. 
Can I tell you in that moment, there will be temptations for you to turn on God instead of turning to God. That when you're sitting in the prison cell feeling like it's dark all around you, like there's no hope, like you're only there because you did what God asked you to do, there are moments where you will be tempted to turn on God instead of turn to him. And we'll tell God we don't deserve this. This isn't what we asked for. This isn't what we signed up for. There's no reason that we should be in this place. But if we're careful, our focus, if we do that, our focus will begin to drift away from our Savior and it will trap us in our situation. Do you want to be trapped in that cell or do you want to be free? Let's turn to God, which brings me to the next thing that we need to do. We're going to stay faithful. We're going to remember that we've been called, that there's purpose, there's something else going on, and we need to stay hopeful. You need to stay faithful, stay hopeful, because it's, it's as simple as this. Just because you're in prison doesn't mean that you have to be bound. Just because it feels like you're in prison doesn't mean you have to live like a prisoner. You see, people and things can hold you captive, but captivity cannot cancel your calling. So you may feel trapped in this moment. You may feel trapped by life. You may feel trapped by your pastor decisions. But even though it may feel like captivity, captivity cannot cancel your calling. <sighs> they acted like they were not in prison. Paul and Silas began to pray, and they began to praise as if they were somewhere other than where they were, and God showed up. It may not feel like the right time to pray. It may not feel like the right time to praise. But in these moments, that's the perfect time. When the darkness seems to overwhelm you and you can't see in front of you, that's the perfect time to pray and to praise. When you feel trapped like there's no hope, like there's no getting out, that's the time to refocus your heart, to stay faithful, to stay hopeful, and to turn your attention back to the Savior. It's the perfect time to pray and to praise. It's the perfect time to remind yourself who the light of the world is, who the redeemer of everyone is, who is the life-giving God that we serve. We need to be reminded so that we can stay hopeful because you may feel shackled this morning, but you don't have to let that silence your praise. In these moments, don't let the enemy steal your song. Don't let him steal what God has placed inside of you. Don't let him steal these precious moments that can turn your shackles into freedom. Lift up your voice. Live your life in a way that God can echo through what you're doing. In spite of what's going on, you can praise like you're free. Job tells us that God will give us a song in the night. And I don't know if you know about Job, but when I read the Bible, I don't think there's anyone else who paid a greater price than Job did probably one of the richest men, if not the richest man on the earth, he lost all of the things that were important. He lost all of his money, all of his cattle, all of the things that made him who he was, and then he loses all of his family, except for one wife. His friends turn against him, and Job tells us that God will give you a song in the night, and I can trust this because I know that Job was hurting. I know that Job was confused, but if we look to God, he can still give us a song in the night. If we can stay focused and stay hopeful and stay faithful, our praise can be our breakthrough. That before we see the light of day, our praise can help us fight through the darkness. Mm -hmm. 
Can we begin to, to decide to stay faithful and, and stay hopeful and ask God to help us to find purpose in the pain that we're going through, to find purpose in the prison that we feel trapped in? Can we ask him to use the suffering of this moment for salvation, maybe even for someone else, that we would remember that there are others listening, there are others watching us, because when the shackles fell off for Paul and Silas, they weren't the only ones that were free. There were other prisoners that were there that got to experience the freedom because they stayed faithful and they stayed hopeful and they praised before they got their breakthrough. There were other people that got to walk in freedom because of the sacrifice they were willing to make. And maybe, just maybe, maybe, just maybe, you're someone somewhere is a jailer who puts you in prison all the same. That maybe it's the person who has hurt you the most, but maybe that's who God sent you. That's who he sent you to reach. Maybe you need to suffer just a little bit for someone to come to know Jesus. Would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to endure a little bit more than you think that you can because there's someone somewhere who needs you? You've been sent somewhere for someone. I can't imagine Paul and Silas knew that they were going there to reach a jailer, to reach his family, to reach prisoners, to see God even grow in the middle of their struggle, in the middle of their prison, in the middle of the moment that seemed like there was no hope at all. But God exponentially grew what they did. Because whatever it takes is what they were willing to do. Stay faithful. Stay hopeful. There are other people that God has us to reach. It may not look hopeful right now. It may not look like you want it to right now, but that doesn't mean that you're not on the right path. You're not doing the right things. You're not exactly where God wants you to be. Stay faithful, stay hopeful. They need to see you praise through your problems. They need to say, see you stay faithful when it doesn't make any sense to stay faithful. They need to see you pick up people around you and fight the enemy and keep moving forward. People need to see how God has changed your life so that they can ask you, what's so different for you? Can I have what you have? Paul didn't set up a sermon. He just answered a question. This morning, if you're here and you feel like maybe you're, you're not reaching someone somewhere, but you feel trapped in a prison, I'm here to tell you that Jesus can set you free. That with one choice to give your all to him, the things that have weighed you down, you can exchange for what he has for you. That however you think about yourself isn't the way that God thinks about you. That when he looks at you, he sees his son, he sees his daughter, he desires a relationship for you so much so that he sent his one and only son. We couldn't fix things between us and God, so he decided to fix them because you're important, because he wants you, he sees you. And maybe today is your today. Will you close your eyes with me this morning? Is there anyone here that would say, you know what, Pastor Kevin, I, I feel trapped, I feel locked, I wanna be free, I wanna experience Jesus, I need to give him my life this morning. If that's you, just raise your hand. I'm going to pray with you. Is there anyone here that say, man, Jesus, I need you? Just raise your hand. We're going to pray here in a few moments. God, right now, pray that you would speak to hearts. The Lord, there will be a commitment made 
by those who need you. That, Lord, they would ask you to come into their heart, to take their sin, to change their direction, their destiny, their purpose, to give them life like they could never imagine because they've trusted you. Lord, as they do that, I pray that they would feel your love, your grace wash over them to give them a new beginning today. I thank you for that. This morning, we're going to spend a couple of minutes. I want you to spend a few extra minutes worshiping today. Some of you need to go into this week fighting with your prayer and your praise. You need to refresh yourself. You need to be reminded that you've been called. There's purpose in where you are. That God has placed you right where he wants you. And even if you can't see it, that doesn't mean it's not there. And maybe this morning you need to allow these next couple of moments for God to speak to you once again. that this message impacted you. Please share your story and partner with us financially at newvisiongrandview.com.